Well, when it comes to traveling, are you one of those people who travel with everything just in case? Well, let me introduce you to the 12 metre long Volkner mobile, um, uh, mobile home. It's the Performance S, where there is little expense spared on this unit. Is it playing? Yep. Um, there's little expense spared um, on the overall finish with the fit out of this 12 tonne luxury motorhome. It includes a $485,000 audio system, hand veneered, high gloss furniture, steam oven, coffee machine, shoe wardrobe, and stitched, hand stitched leather electric seats. In 2021, it would set you back $3.3 million. But add the Bugatti Veyron supercar that rides snugly in, it, in the motorhome's um, side garage transport, then the drive-away price jumps just shy of $11 million. For the grey nomad, it brings new meaning to the idea of travelling in style. But with the size of a standard bus, and even going along with the ability to, uh, to fit a car within its underbelly, you are going to be limited on where you can travel and who you can see. Which has me wonder. I really think there is merit in travelling light. Let me pray. Jesus, as we take some time to delve into your word a little bit more, I ask that you would have us open to what you, Holy Spirit, want to say to us. That you would speak to us deep to deep. That you would encourage, that you would challenge, that you would remind us of the calling that you have placed on each of our lives and how we can travel light with you. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, then I invite you to turn to Mark chapter 6. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. If you've got a different translation, I'm sure you'll be able to follow along just fine. Um, we're going through a series called Dive as we dive into the Gospel of uh, Mark and how we can go deeper in our relationship with Jesus. Well, it's been about 12 months that uh, Jesus has had his 12 apprentices with him. They were hand-chosen by Jesus despite being other um, people's, uh, for other people, for other rabbis. They were the people that these other rabbis rejected. Now, entering their second year of what would ultimately be a three-year apprenticeship, these disciples were called with a specific purpose. In Mark chapter 3, 13 to 15, we read, Afterward, Jesus went up onto a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him. And they came to him. And then, from what seems to be the way Mark uh, words this, from a larger group, he then calls a smaller group. He appointed 12 of them, and he called them his apostles. They were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. Then for the next 12 months, 
They've got their training wheels on um, and they're firmly attached. And without a doubt, there would have been times where there would have been wobbles and bumps along the way as these disciples went through a radical reframing and re-understanding of who God is and what it means for Jesus to be God's Saviour, the Messiah. So now it is time. Time for these disciples to unbolt the training wheels and travel without Jesus right beside them. They'd seen Jesus do amazing things, but they'd also witnessed Jesus coming up against stiff opposition, including opposition from those he had grown up with in his hometown of Nazareth, as recorded in the start of Mark chapter 6. There are only a few times that we hear a recording of Jesus being amazed about something. But the lack of faith of those in Nazareth not only amazed Jesus, but also limited what Jesus could do among them. Mark chapter 6 verse 6 continues, Then Jesus went from village to village, teaching the people. And he called his twelve disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. He told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick, no food, no traveller's bag, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals, but not to take a change of clothes. Wherever you go, he said, stay in the same house until you leave town. But if any place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So the disciples went out, telling everyone that they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. And then skipping down to um, chapter 6, verse 30, we read also that the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. The mission of God guided Jesus and his purpose and his priorities. We read about this in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. So for the last 12 plus months, the disciples have seen Jesus live out this mission of God, the Missio Dea, as their rabbi, and they have been front and centre, learning how to be like their teacher. Now it's the disciples' turn to have a crack at being like their rabbi. Like doing prac work as a student or as an apprentice going out on your first job without the boss, the disciples are now ready to go. Then, after a stint away, they come back and excitedly tell Jesus all they had done and taught. A little bit later, after their three-year apprenticeship is up in Mark, and it also is summarised in Matthew 28, 18. Jesus says this to them. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. 
Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of age, the age. And for us today, as Northern, as a church family, we have at our core of who we are as a church family the desire to continue this work of discipleship, of seeing people come to faith, experience the mission of God, experience God's love, and for us to be able to teach them and help equip them to be faithful followers of Jesus. We long to see people to live life well through a personal relationship with Jesus. And that had me wonder, okay, well, what can we learn from this passage as Jesus sends his disciples out on their first um, bout of, of going out into the various towns? Their training wheels are taken off, and as they travel on this mission of following Jesus and his example. Well, there's a couple of things that stand out for me in this. The first one is that as we travel, we travel best in community. We are created in the image of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Creator God who exists in community, in communion with each other. There is little wonder then that we are encouraged where possible to travel in ministry in community. He called the 12 disciples together and sends them out two by two. Now, this isn't some sort of Noah's Ark sort of harking back or anything like that, but rather there is actually a legal precedent that is established in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, uh, where the authority of a witness is established by two or more witnesses. You can't just take one person's word for it. You need to have two people to bear witness to what has happened. This is also echoed in 1 Timothy 5, 19 to 20, where Paul writes to Timothy and says to Timothy, hey, if someone brings an accusation against an elder in the church, one is not enough. There needs to be two people to make that accusation so that there is this bearing of witness about that. But also in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12, the writer of Ecclesiastes talks about how two are better than one, that there is this support and experience and this blessing of being able to work together, support one another, care for one another, back one another up. When we are involved in ministry, there is a huge advantage of being a part of a team, sharing responsibility, supporting each other, encouraging each other, celebrating each other's strengths. You can bounce ideas off each other, and when the uh, tough times come, you can also have each other's backs. Travelling in our mission as followers of Jesus, we will also enter into spiritual warfare. While we might not be called to cast out evil spirits, our desire to see people come to know Jesus is not something that God's enemies want. So there will be discouragement. There will be opposition, distractions, and other competing things for our time. It's an act of spiritual warfare to spend time with God. Satan will do everything he can to undermine you from connecting with God individually and also with other followers of Jesus. God's enemies do not want you 
to spend time reading your Bible, praying, growing in your love of Jesus and in community. So every time, every time you overlook an offence, when you forgive, when you pray for your enemies, when you share God's love with, the, uh, with others in both word and deed, when you put yourself out and stand up for the poor and the marginalised, you are engaging in spiritual warfare. We're also to travel with dependence and humility. Remember the motorhome that we saw before? That was all about self-sufficiency, wanting nothing, lacking nothing, being able to travel in style and not needing to rely on anyone else apart from maybe a bank loan to pay for the fuel bills. And compare how Jesus calls us to travel. In chapter 6, verse 8, take nothing for their journey except a walking stick, no food, no traveller's bag, no money. It's almost as if he gives them a consolation. Well, you can take a pair of sandals, but don't take a change of clothes. Wherever you go, he said, stay in the same house until you leave town. Now, while some of us might not travel like that literally, there are still some important principles that transfer for us today. Today, the world encourages us to be self-reliant, to do it my way. Don't ask for help. Don't owe anyone anything. Often, when we um, imagine sharing God's love with others, when we approach that, we can often approach it as if we were the superior. We are the ones that carry this important message and you are the ones that need to listen, to hear from us, that we are the ones that have the value in what we carry and the people, you need this message and you have less value because you don't have the knowledge of God. But here, here Jesus calls us for a, a healthy dose of humility, relying on and asking for help from others. Now, I know I struggle with it, but here Jesus challenges me and perhaps perhaps challenges some of you as well. Are we willing to make ourselves vulnerable, to lean on and to ask for help at times? But in this, the ultimate desire is that we develop a reliance on God. Imagine Jesus' followers. No packed lunch. They're going from town to town, village to village. There was a reliance on the hospitality and in the breaking of bread together with others. And then in that situation, in that hospitable arrangement, in that relationship of sharing food and accommodation, there is also the opportunity to share the good news of the love of Jesus with those with whom you share the same roof. In our travels, Jesus wants us to travel light, to not get hung up on the material stuff of life that we can't carry with us into eternity. But in our reliance on God, on Creator God, to go through life with humility and to welcome the opportunity to come alongside others 
and to share God's love, not as a superior, but as a humble traveller. Travelling light also gives us that nimbleness and flexibility that you can lose when you carry lots of stuff with you. As we travel in following Jesus, we will also find times where people will reject the good news that we share. Here we find a challenging response. Jesus says in verse 11 of chapter 6, as recorded by Mark, but if any place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. Remember that Jesus has just come from Nazareth, his childhood home, where he spent the majority of his life. He learned a trade there. He spent time with Mary and Joseph and his brothers and sisters. He went to synagogue school there and he would have been running up and down the village streets. But as an adult and in in ministry, in living out the mission of God, many scoff at him, dismiss him and treat him and his message with contempt. The disciples saw this and they were probably offended for Jesus at the town's treatment of their master. So when it comes to the disciples travelling and living out the mission that Jesus calls them to, Jesus gives them this strategy for dealing with hard hearts and past hurts. As we travel, there are times where we need to shake the dust off. Shake the dust off your feet. Don't get caught up in arguing and trying to convince people that they're, uh, when they're not willing to be open to all of God's message. It was a practice that was used by Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13 verse 51. It was also another occasion where Paul did it in Acts 18 verse 6 and Timothy and Silas were there and saw Paul shake the dust from his feet and out of the, his clothes, out of his cloak as judgment. Judgment to the Jews, God's people. And they would have been confronted by this action. This was a practice that good Jews held, that when they would travel through the countryside, and if they travel, had to travel through the uh, Gentile countryside, when they got to the border of the Gentile lands and were about to enter into their homeland, they would stand there and they would shake the dust off their feet because they didn't want to carry that with them into God's promised land. But Paul treats it as a turning point and a a change of his focus from the Jews in the synagogue to the Gentiles who were often more receptive to the message of God. But there's also an aspect of this which I believe is still important for us today, that we don't want to carry um, with us the dust of the past, the hurt, the pain, the rejection, the harsh words into the future that God has for us. You see, when we do, the dust can stick to you. It can cover you. It can cloud your vision. It can impede what God wants to do in you and through you. For me, there was a particular challenging church where I pastored many years ago. There was a resistance to what I believed and what we had sensed God was wanting to do there. And it was so sad for Mary to see 
the hardness of hearts that we experienced. When I left that church, I got to the edge of that location. I hopped out of my car and I can still recall to this day standing on the side of the road, shaking the dust off my feet. It is the one and only time I have ever done that. And while God might hold that church accountable for its actions, it was a freeing thing for me. Don't carry the pain with you. I've seen pastors, I've seen people in ministry, in relationships, carry the dust of the past into their future. And it can affect their perceptions of church, their views of pastors or other leaders or of other relationships. And God's enemies love it when that happens. When we take offence and hold it against others and we carry the burden with us into the future in a way that it's wearing on us. It wears us away. Support others when they need to shake the dust from them as well. There can be some really important things that you need to do. It may not be just the physical um, representation of that. It may be because of relationships of the past, hurts of the past, spending some time talking with someone and working through that. And I encourage you to do that. For those who've experienced the joys of being a grey nomad and have travelled along dusty roads, you know how hard it is to keep the dust out when you travel. Cars, campers, caravan designers all look to ways to keep the dust out when you travel. And long before Taylor Swift made a name for herself singing about it, Jesus, way back in Mark, calls us to shake it off. Today, we're called on a journey to follow Jesus in the mission of God, sharing God's good news to the world around us. For me, you can keep your fancy motor home for yourself. I want to travel light with Jesus. May we value and travelling community. May we be aware of entering into the spiritual uh, warfare that God will have us at times engage with. May we travel in dependence and humility. And may we travel dust-free. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for the example that you gave to the disciples about how to travel through life in the mission that God had called you to and how to deal with the challenges but also to see the great opportunities of seeing people's lives transformed by the good news. Thank you for the instructions that you gave your first followers and help us to learn from that as we want to continue this mission that you have called us to that we might be people that will travel light with you, that will be prepared to deal with the dust of the past, that will be humble in our attitudes and our actions, that will come alongside people, not talk at them, that will minister in community 
and recognise that as we seek to follow you, that we'll be engaging in spiritual warfare. Help us to stick close to you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So how might we respond today? Well, there's a couple of things that I want to encourage you to reflect on as we spend some time um, and uh, as the music's about to be played as well. Who do you travel with? Who encourages and supports you as a follower of Jesus? My hope is that you have someone in your life that encourages you in your relationship with Jesus and will travel with you. Do you see how growing in your relationship with God is um, outworking in, a, um, in daily life could be an act of spiritual warfare? Do you recognise that committing to and engaging with a deep relationship with Jesus is not something that God's enemy wants to see happen? And who's winning at the moment? What holds you back from dependence on God and others? And what dust have you collected that needs to be dealt with? There's going to be some music played, and as the music's played, I encourage you for those at home or listening later to respond to that. You can send us a message, you can send us a text, you can use the chat function. For those in the auditorium, you've got your response cards. I encourage you to pull those out, to use those now, and we'll collect those with the offering in, as we sing our final song. God bless you.